Welcome to Hope for All Nations, a podcast by Calvary Worship Center Broadcast. We pray that God's word will continue to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, and that as you spend time in the presence, you will be abundantly fruitful. We continue our series, um, The God of All Grace. The God of all grace. I want to read the scripture um, in Hebrews from, I believe, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. The Bible says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have an high priest. Let us therefore come boldly to a certain throne. It's called the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. The Bible says we can find grace. We need to find grace for, for the needs that we go through. And that is why we are talking about you, you, you need to understand the grace that is available to you to find, to meet your need. The Bible talks about all grace. And during this series, I'm hoping that we will find all the graces. Every person needs to approach the throne of grace to, to meet every need. We've talked about if you need salvation, there is grace. We need saving grace. When you need sanctification, you need to come to the school of grace. The Bible says grace will teach you how to be holy. If you have financial needs, you have needs that you want God to meet, you come to the supply grace of God. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Today we are going to talk about another kind of grace I call supplication grace. The grace that helps us to pray. Without that grace, we cannot pray. When the Bible talks about approach the throne of grace, that's when prayer begins. You cannot carry on unless you come to find that grace. Every prayer warrior has got supplication grace. Because without the grace of God, we cannot approach. In fact, when I talk about supplication, I, I believe supplication is the highest form of prayer. Because in supplication, it's a type of prayer. The Bible will talk about prayer and supplication. Supplication is a deeper level of prayer. It's where we have intense groanings. Supplication is when you come to a place in your prayer where you can't find words to express to God. The Bible calls it with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ entering into supplications. Grace will grant us that ability to enter into that realm of prayer. Today, I'm going to touch, just barely touch on the surface 
of supplication. And I want to, those of you who have not read my book on when God's people pray, I'm going to touch a little bit some things from this book. And if you haven't got a copy, I want to encourage you after this sermon, I know your appetite is going to be wet. Just pick a copy, go online, our bookstore, our website, and you go into our bookstore, and I wanted to encourage you to pick a copy after this sermon because I needed to take this sermon to another level when God's people pray. It will help you after you've heard this sermon to say what next? Supplication grace. There are three things I'm going to focus on today. We are going to look at the provision of this grace. The fact that God has made it available. You see, there are some graces that will find you. And there are some graces you need to find. So somebody did not hear me. There are graces that will find you. The Bible says, and Noah, the first time the word grace was used in the Bible was in days of Noah, Genesis chapter 6. And Noah found grace. There are graces that will find you, and there are graces that you need to find. So we look at the provision, we look at the purpose, why God gives us this particular grace, supplication grace, and then how to practice it, you know? You need to be strong in the grace of God. You need to walk in the grace of God. And we will come to that in a moment. But let's start with the first one, the provision of grace. Does the Bible actually give us the grace of supplication that I call the supplication grace? Yes, it does. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, the prophet Zechariah speaking and said, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. God is saying in the end time, there's going to be a release. You know, the the Holy Spirit is called by different names. And by the way, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace. When the Holy Spirit is released, he comes with all the graces that we need to supplicate, to enter into certain realms. There are certain places you cannot go until God carries you. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit, what Spirit? The Spirit of grace also helps in our weaknesses. I am saying you cannot pray the way you should pray without grace. That is why the Spirit of grace will step in will step in to help us in our weaknesses. Go back. For we do not know what we should pray for us we ought to. Without the spirit of grace, we don't really know how to do prayer. And that is why the Bible says, look, Christ has died for us. He's a high priest. The first thing you need to do when it comes to the idea of prayer is to approach the throne of grace. Because at the throne of grace, we will find 
mercy and grace to help us. But the Spirit himself make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes people say, the way I am really praying, I'm studying the gap, it's not you. When you are actually doing it, then it's not prayer. True intercession is best in the crucible of the Spirit of grace. When the Spirit of grace takes over, and begins to do the prayer, then you have entered into the realm I am talking about called supplications. Because at that realm, the Bible says, <laughs> you know, when we talk about language, I'm sure I've touched on this before. Words is not the fullness of language. For words are one form of language. Sometimes people whistle. It's a language. Sometimes people shout. It's a language. The Bible says that creation clap their hands. The trees clap their hands. It's a language. I am saying that there is a place you come into where the Bible says when you enter that realm, I know some of you, you, you know what I'm talking about, where you cannot. An example is Anna. If you remember, Anna entered into supplications. And the Bible says her lips were moving, but there were no words. That is what I'm talking about. And every child of God, you come to a place where there are not enough words to express what is in the belly of your spirit. To the point that Eli thought she was drunk because her lips were moving, but I can't hear words. I can't hear what she's saying because she's at another level. Bible says Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews, when he entered the supplication with loud cries and groanings, that realm is taken over by the grace of supplication. God will bring you to that place. Sometimes we do not know how to pray. Sometimes we don't have the desire to pray. Can I get a witness? That those are our weaknesses. That's why we need grace. Sometimes you don't want to pray. Sometimes I don't want to pray. Sometimes you don't even have the strength to pray. Sometimes you don't even have the faith to pray. Because you are so discouraged. The last few weeks, a lot of believers have been discouraged. Looking at the trends and, and the season that we live in. When you ask them to pray, like, ah, I don't know. This is where grace steps in. Takes our weaknesses and brings us to that realm. That is why it is important that we approach. Because God has made provision. When you come to a place where you feel like I can't go on, I don't even have the strength to pray. I don't even know what to say. That is when you need to approach the throne room and say, God, I need the spirit of grace for supplication. Many of us, we have not yet learned how to find it. Sometimes you know you need to pray, but you don't have the strength. You know you need to pray, but your prayer sometimes is going nowhere. You don't even know where to start. Where to finish? 
But the Bible says that the spirit knows the mind of God. He knows how to take things and bring it before God. But we just need to take advantage of this grace. So what is the purpose of this grace? I've touched a bit on it. I've talked about the provision. God has made it available. He said he will pour unto us. And at the end of this service, you know, I prayer for me is more practice. So I'm going to try and finish this as quickly as possible so that we can just get into it. Get into a realm where we need to ask God to pour unto us the spirit of grace and supplication. Lord, pour it on me. Pour it on me. Stare it up in me. Stare it up in me. What's the purpose? The first purpose why God said he will pour that spirit of grace and supplication. Because he wants to do something with our heart. You see, when that spirit comes upon you, when that grace comes upon you, the first thing it does is mess your heart up. And I'll tell you why. Messes your heart. Let's go back to the test. Zechariah 4.10. Oh, thank God for Zechariah. So I see something. In the last days, there's going to be a spirit of grace poured for supplication. I'll pour on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Spirit of grace and supplication. And they say, this is what will happen. This is the reason. Then they will look on me. The whole idea of this grace is to cause us to shift our eyes onto God. They will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as if as one mourns for his only son. And grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Something is going to happen to the hearts of the Israelites. When that grace is poured upon you, it will mess your heart. You say, Pastor, what, what are you talking about? It will break your heart. It creates a spirit of brokenness. You become brutally aware of your own deficiencies. Do you know something? The more, the closer you get to God, the more sinful you become aware. So when I meet self-righteous people, they haven't met God. The closer you get to God, the more you become aware of your own sinfulness. Because the light of God will shine ever so bright into your soul. If I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, he said, Pastor, I don't know what is going on. The closer I go to God, the more I repent. I say, you are getting there. When Isaiah approached, he said, what is me? When revival comes and people experience God, they break up. Break up in tears. Because the first thing revival would do, the first thing the Spirit of God would do when you approach, it will mess your heart up. You, that's what David meant by a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. I say it's a heart problem. Spirit of grace, as you come before God, God will begin to touch deep things in your heart. You begin to realize your weaknesses and your frailties and your inabilities. Cry unto God. 
Because that's what it does. Spirit of grace will mess with your heart. You become a broken heart. The closer you come to God, the more you realize that I am nothing. If I look at Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel 36, it said, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. It said, your heart is going to be messed up when the spirit comes. Because I'll put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my degrees and be careful to obey my regulation. If you have never been aware Brutally aware of your own brokenness and your need for God, you are not close. I am saying the closer you come to God, as he sucks you in, the more you realize I am nothing. You know what that creates? It creates humility. There's nobody who has met God and is proud. When you, when you meet proud people, very likely they haven't encountered God. Because when you encounter God, the Bible says you will humble yourself under his mighty hand. There's no way you can meet God without saying, woe is me, that you have not met God. Because the first thing Isaiah realized when he encountered God is his own sinfulness. And he was a prophet. Oh God, Pour unto us that grace of supplication that will mess our hearts up. I believe that in this season, as we are fasting and praying, have you noticed, as we get closer to the end of the fast, God is calling us into repentance. Because the more you get close to God, the more you become aware of the darkness in your own soul. I'm talking about this. The spirit of grace and supplication will mess your heart up. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gave an illustration. Oh, today we are going to pray. So get ready. I'm going to try and finish this because I want us to enter into prayer zone. The Bible says two men went to the temple to pray. They all went to pray. They all went to prayer meeting. One was a Pharisee, meaning self-righteous, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, people commit adultery, look at them. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. His self-righteousness was displayed. He hasn't met God. Because when you encounter God, your self-righteousness will die. He said, I give you a tenth of my income. I pay my tithes. But the Bible says, listen to this. Somebody who has just experienced Grace. The tax collector stood at a distance and dare not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, 
Talk about brokenness. He beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. Now Jesus is saying two people approach God. And this one was a right approach because the approach was brokenness. Because like I said, the closer you come to God, the more you realize of your own sinfulness. And I'm nothing. Who am I? The coming, the encounter with God, the encounter with the Spirit will mess our heart up. The second thing it does creates hunger. The Spirit of grace and supplication will create a certain hunger and test in your soul. When it comes upon you, you want to run after God. You see, naturally, we are not attracted to the things of God. Nobody wakes up every morning and said, ah, I feel like praying. Unless something is shifted in your soul. You cannot run after God unless first he chases you. In fact, you cannot come to God unless first he draws you in. Many times we have been walking there and say, I can pray, I can do this. No, 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 no. Your prayer is rooted in grace. Otherwise, it's not prayer. Your father draws you in. One, one of the things that David, in fact, in Psalm 84, I, I wanted to read this scripture to you and I stand it in the context of grace. He said, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My, my soul longs. <laughs> There's someone who's hungry for God. Something has shifted. Even things for the courts of the Lord. How do you come to a place like this? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. For a day in your court is better than a, a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. How did he come to this place? The answer is there. If you read the scripture closely. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. That's what you need. Grace and glory will bring you to that place where you run after God. And David recognized that what is driving me is grace. As the deer panthers after the water brook, so my heart cries out, thirst after you, that's grace. Because what grace will do, grace will stir your heart. If you have been there, you know what I'm talking about. Grace will drop something in your spirit and you can't sit still. 
You want to pray in the morning. You want to pray in the evening. You want to pray at night. Something is pushing you. Something is driving you. That is a spirit of grace and supplication. And every one of us need to ask God, find this grace. Say, God, you promise you pour it. I am ready. Pour your spirit. Because without that, you can't do it. That's the difference between Jesus and the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Those, they need a grace. Jesus comes and they are still sleeping. How many of you have you woke up in the night and you go sleeping? Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is where you need grace. I know I need to pray, but I am tired. I know I need to pray, but all strength is gone. This is where you say, Father, you promise you pour unto us the spirit of grace and supplication. I need it now. I need it to press in. I need it to push in. I need it to touch things. I need you, God, to create you see, the hunger and test is created by God. You can't manufacture it. For you can't pray yourself into it. That is why it is very important to understand, child of God, from the beginning of your Christian life when you became born again. You know, I told you, never say I found Jesus. You can't find Jesus. He found you. So our whole theology is turned upside down. Found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. And from day one when he found you, grace carry you through. How are people able to pray all night? It's grace. How are people able to pray for 10 days on the upper room? Grace. Grace is one that will carry you, that will push you, that will stir into you that hunger and thirst for God. So grace, when it comes, it messes your heart up. And when it messes that heart, it creates a certain kind of heart that runs after God, that is hungry for God, that is thirsty after God. That's what you need. Many times people don't pray because the thirst is not there. The hunger is not there. And you need to say, God, create that thirst in my heart. Because when God does that, you always want to come in prayer. When you pray for an hour, you're like, I thought I prayed for five minutes. When you find yourself, you pray for five minutes, ten minutes, and you are tired, you need the grace of supplication. Say, God, stir me up. Mess up my heart. Father, touch my heart. Father, create a hunger in me. And you know the third thing it does? It creates an habitation. This is my favorite part. Now, I want you to know, understand that this is, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is a progression. Comes, does something in your heart, breaks your heart, touches your heart, turns your heart from foolish things and worldly things and other passions and, and all of a sudden focuses on you and you, begin, you become aware of your own frailties. And then the heart now begins to run after God. And then all of a sudden, 
Habitation is what you've heard in the last few weeks I've been talking about. You build your own altars. The altar always begins with a heart change, with a hunger. And when you get there, you want to build. A house is where you want to dwell. You want to stay here. Remember the story of Peter, James, and John on the mountain. The Bible says they saw the glory of God. And what did Peter say? Let's build habitation. When you encounter God, when you are running after God, when you are hungry after God, you want to dwell. You want to build a tent. You want to build a house. You want to say, I want to stay here. I don't want to go anywhere. That is what David meant by, when, when you listen, he started with a hunger. He started with a thirst. I'm running after you. And then he said, I want to dwell in your house. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I don't want to go anywhere. You see, when people don't have personal altars, you can't force it. Because their heart is not broken. Because their heart is not hungry. Because when God moves your heart and touches your heart, you have no choice but build an habitation. And I mean personal habitation. Let me, let me share with you something that one of the famous passages that God brought my attention to by grace. John chapter 4. Let me, let me show you something. So here's Jesus and this woman talking about worship. Now I want you to notice something here. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Since you are a prophet, let me share with you, let, let me share with you some theological insights. Our fathers worship on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Where is the place? Jesus said, neither. I want you to listen to this carefully. It's a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship. He said that, the movement has shifted from corporate worship, corporate altars, from Jerusalem to personal altars. Mm, somebody's going to get to me. He said, we are going to a season when you have to learn to build personal altars because you got to understand, to worship God, you got to go to the temple. To encounter God, the ark of the covenant is in a holy place. You got to approach the temple. But God is saying a time is coming when altars are not going to be physical altars. They're going to be spiritual altars. And such are the worshipers that God is looking for. In other words, the church building may be shut by your spiritual altar no coronavirus can shut it down. 
see, many of you or some of you, your spiritual life is going dead because you are, your whole Christian life is attached to a place. It's attached to exactly where the Samaritan woman comes. Which place? Here, Jerusalem or Samaria. God sent me to tell you today, neither. What about if the church doesn't meet for the next one month, two months, three months, four months? We don't know. Are you going to survive? God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Neither in this place nor Jerusalem. Now, I'm, I'm not against corporate worship, obviously. When we bring our personal altars together, there is something about corporate worship. But God is saying you cannot attach your Christian experience to a place. Some of you are waiting. When is the church open so I can get back into the spirit? No, 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 no. God is saying start now. Your spirit is dying. Start now. You have no thirst and hunger. Start now. Because let me tell you, as we move towards the last days, it's going to be very difficult to gather. By the way, some of you don't know this. In most parts of the world, their Christian life is not lived in a sanctuary. They are underground. So I want to challenge you, child of God, to learn how to practice your own habitation. Your own space. Jesus told a story and said, if you want to pray, let me tell you how to pray. You go into your place. And I'll show you in a moment. So let me show you the diagram. The heart, start with the heart. And the heart produces a hunger, and the hunger produces an habitation. Do you get it? It starts with the heart, and from the heart, there is a hunger, and from the hunger, there is habitation. God comes and pours upon you the spirit of grace and supplication, messes your heart. You see, it, it has to be a heart that will run after God, because the heart of flesh is not interested. How many of you, if there's a Super Bowl and Super Bowl is coming, rather sit and watch the Super Bowl than watch an online service? You know why your heart is drawn to the Super Bowl or to NBA? Because your heart is stoned. Sorry. I I can't believe I said that. Forgive me. But I'm glad I said it. Some of you, you are more anxious to watch an NBA game than to go and encounter God. Your heart is stony. You need to say, God, why am I not attracted to the things of God? You can sit and watch a game for two and a half hours, but you cannot stay in a service for an hour. Your heart has become stony. You need the spirit of grace and supplication. God, come and visit me. Change my heart because this heart that... I have runs after hockey game, runs after who knows whatever you watch on Netflix. 
Some of you, you've watched every series in the world, every episode in the world. But when it comes to prayer, five, ten minutes, your heart needs a change. And what to change that heart is grace. Say, God, pour it on me. Pour it on me. Pour, pour. Pour the grace. The spirit of grace and supplication. So that I can begin to enter into prayer the way other people pray. When Paul, Paul is, is known to be the apostle of grace. He speaks more of grace than anybody. You know where it began? On the road to Damascus, God encountered him. He experienced grace as never before. And when he experienced that grace, his heart began to change. He started getting hungry. Now, let me tell you something. Ananias was sent to go find Saul. And God told him, when you find him, you'll find him praying. So when you find him, you'll find a hungry man. Somebody has encountered something. I am telling you, this Christian life, you cannot run it on your own power. You need the grace of God. And if you are not praying, it's because you lack the spirit of grace and supplication. You need to say, God, move my heart, touch my heart, turn my heart around. I promise we, we are going to pray. So let me finish up. Let me give you some, some practical steps. Let's look at the practice. I told you today, I'm just going to whet your appetite. See, if your Christian life, the way you live your Christian life, some of you, all your habitation you have is in your shower. As you're taking your shower, Lord, I thank you, thank you for today. I commit myself to you as I hail you are the God. I love you. I blow you a kiss and you come out. Shame on you. If that is your personal altar, when you are five minutes shower, shame on you. You need an encounter. How do you walk into this grace? Say, God, pour it upon me. Let me give an example of Jesus. You know this. When you read my book, I've, I've got a whole chapter on Mark 1.35. But let, let me read it. The Bible says, now in the morning. Let me show you a man who walked in the grace of supplication, how he did it. The practice. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. This scripture, if you understand it, will change your life. This scripture, just in the nutshell, describes the prayer life of the Savior. That's it. When you, if you're not practicing this, you cannot walk in the grace. You cannot be strong in that grace. What is he saying? The first one is priority. It's priority. What do my priority? The Bible says he woke up the first thing he did before anybody woke up, he went to pray. He didn't check his Facebook, his Instagram account. He didn't go to whatever. No. 
Because he understood what it means to encounter God. Can I show you something? Let me show you something. Luke chapter 5. Maybe you, you might have missed it. Watch this. The Bible says, yeah, the news about him spread all the more. The man became so popular. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. What a ministry. But watch this. But Jesus, what's the difference? Often withdraw to lonely places and pray. Kalibata, Ozibaya, Krasatarab. There lies the power. Often, I mean, often that is grace. Lonely places and pray, those were his priority. Oh, but daddy, father, I don't have the time. Oh, it's a crowd. The church has become so big. Everybody is coming and going. You are lying to yourself. That's the more reason why you need to tarry. What's your excuse? Say, Pastor, how do I experience this grace? God is going to pour that spirit of grace upon me. You got to learn to tarry. Set your priorities. What's the point? If God pours his grace upon you and you see God on number, you're going to waste the grace. You are, not, you are not going to be strong in the grace. Start from somewhere. I tell people, just even sit. Just go and sit. I'm going to sit. Even if I've not, it's just sit before God. Say, God, I'm here. I promise I'll wake up at six every day. I am here. I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Like I said, prayer is not just words. Just sit before God and let him do the rest. He will begin to stir your heart. He will begin to change your heart. Number two, you got to find your place. As I mentioned, the Bible says he goes into lonely places. Cannot be disturbed. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 6? He said, by you, when you pray, find your space. Find space. This is what I was telling you about. Your habitations, your personal altars. Find space and see what God will do to you. You do your part and leave the rest to God. Make yourself available to that grace and let God take care of the rest. Say, so you want to experience the grace of prayer? Go to a room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father in heaven. Find your space. That space is not Mount, mountain, Mount Sinai. Or in Jerusalem, that mount, that location has changed. The temple now is in your heart. The altar is no more in the holiest of holy. The altar is now here. And you carry it wherever you go. And see whether God will not change your heart towards the NBA or uh, the NFL. Change your heart. I used to love hockey. I would watch all the hockey games until God began to change my heart. I don't care about it anymore. Yeah, I don't. 
I'd rather go to a prayer meeting than go to a Super Bowl. And I mean it. Because David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than a thousand elsewhere. Where is your elsewhere? And where are you going there? Your heart has not been changed. Find your place. Daniel had his place. So Jesus woke up early, a priority. Go to a lonely place. He found his space. Find your space. As we continue with our fasting and prayer, 21 days, I want to encourage everybody, find your space. Find your altar. And dwell there. In fact, in the King James, he said, go to your closet. Every house has a closet. Say, Pastor, I don't have enough room. Do you have a closet? That's your prayer. That's your habitation. Move your clothings and stay in there. And grace will find you. And the third thing you practice, I'm talking about practice. Priority, place, and prayer. Priority, place, and prayer. Try that. And watch as God's spirit of grace begin to change and transform your heart. And you get into a place where you don't want to come out from prayer. You've forgotten that you have children. You've forgotten that you have an appointment. You have to go to work. Because something has turned in your heart. Get there. Say, God, here I am to worship. Here I am to say you are my God. I have come. And you know what, brothers and sisters? There's no place to be content. There's no place to be fulfilled than to the place in the altar of God. And David means it. And he meant it then. He means it now. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere. Worship him come. Today, I want you to surrender your thousand elsewhere. Where are your elsewhere? Maybe sports, maybe TV, television, maybe your phone. Where do you spend your space? Your heart needs to be changed. And today, we are going to pray for heart change. Wherever you are, I need to stand up on your feet in the name of Jesus and begin to pray. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Hope for All Nations, a Calvary Worship Center podcast. We pray that God's word will continue to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And that as you spend time in his presence, you will be abundantly fruitful. You are also most welcome to join us for our in-person worship services. If you are in Western Canada, we have locations in Surrey, BC and New Westminster, BC, as well as Calgary, Alberta. In Washington State, we have a location in Bellingham and a location in Ghana. You can find out more information at calvaryonline.ca. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.